We're continuing this morning talking to us about supernatural Christianity. So if you would, take your Bibles and go to the Old Testament book of 2 Kings, the 6th chapter. And as you're doing that, let me say this morning uh, that my name is Eddie Couples, and I am the lead pastor of Love and Truth Ministries. And I want to welcome our campuses that are joining with us today in Savannah and Henderson and Cordova. And we're looking forward to what God is going to speak to you there as well as he speaks to us. We believe that the Word of God will not return void. So get ready today to receive what God has for you and for your life. In the name of Jesus, that's our prayer for you today. I'm going to talk about today seeing the unseen. Now, I read a statement years ago that said, only those who see the invisible can do the impossible. Well, let me say that again because I want to wake you up with it. Only those who see the invisible can do the impossible. Have you ever had people try to tell you, well, you know, if I don't see it, I don't believe it? Right? Ever heard that? Well, you know, I'm from Missouri. I'm from the show me state. Well, okay, that's fine to be from the show me state, but in the spirit, you've got to get out of the show me. You, you've got to begin to see something. In fact, when, when you study scientific endeavor, you find out that every great achievement in science has always been by somebody who saw something that no one else saw. And so in, in our lives as believers, we've got to come to that place if we're truly going to live as supernatural Christians. Now, remember last week that I talked to us about how when Jesus got ready to send the disciples out, uh, he sent them out and he said, I give you power and I want you to go forth and I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cleanse the leper. He said, I want you to raise the dead. Hallelujah. And he said, and, and I want you to preach. And, and he, gave, he gave them all the things that he wanted them to do. That was how he sent them out. That was the mandate of the church that he sent out. And you know what? I don't find anywhere in Scripture where he's changed that. I mean, we, we are still called to be living a supernatural life in Jesus Christ. And yet what I find so often is, is that the church has settled for religion. Can, can I explain religion to you just a minute? Have any of you ever had a pet hamster? Anybody ever had one or, you know, something like that? Religion is like having a hamster in a sense. You, you, have you ever noticed that they put these little wheels inside the cage? Right? You know what I'm talking about? And, and that hamster gets on that wheel and he's boogieing. And he's just going and going and going and going. But the problem is it's kind of like a treadmill. That's why I don't like going on treadmills. It, you, you can go all day, but you're not getting anywhere. And that's what religion is like. Religion is just like doing this stuff, doing this stuff. Have you ever noticed that the only time that the hamster gets anywhere is when he stops? And then the wheel throws him off? And that's what religion does to you. Is religion, you know, as long as you're doing all the stuff and, you know, you're dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's and, and, and all the stuff, you're fine. But there you stop. And so we, we've created this system of religion instead of coming into a system of relationship, instead of moving in this place where we genuinely are living a supernatural, powerful life that Jesus Christ has called us to. And so when we begin to understand that, we begin to act differently. Now take your Bibles today and look in the book of 2 Kings, if you would. 2 Kings, the sixth chapter, 
And, and I, I love this passage. Uh, verse 14 says, Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now this is a king who is upset at the man of God, and so he says, I'm going to take him out. I'm going I'm to deal with him. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Have you ever felt like when you looked around, you were surrounded? Right? I mean, come on. Have, have you ever been in, in a situation where it looked as though uh, that there was no way out? You were not going to be able to achieve what, because you were surrounded. It was the, the enemy had surrounded you. But the Word of God goes on to say there, and Elisha prayed. Excuse me. Let me back up verse 16. So he answered, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, let me, let me stop just a moment and help you. Whatever battle you are in, there's always more with you than there are those who are against you. Number one, there's always more angels with you than there are angels of darkness against you. Only one-third of the angels were kicked out of heaven. That means two-thirds. So that means you always have a two-to-one ratio. Hallelujah. And I still believe in angels. If we are living a supernatural life, then we've got angels. And I know I've said this jokingly, but I really mean it. I've decided a lot of Christians aren't using their angels, so I've appropriated some extra ones. So if you haven't been using your angel, they may be with me. All right? And not only that, though, the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. So the power of God is always greater than whatever you are facing. And, and it goes on there, and Elisha prayed, verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Now, that's kind of an interesting statement. The guy's, I mean, the guy's already seen. I mean, he's the one who came in and said, the hills are covered up with chariots and horses, and all the guys are up there. They've got swords, and they're going to kill us. And the prophet says, Lord, let him see. Now, how many of you know there's a difference in seeing and seeing? You know, it's kind of like the, the time when, when Jesus was, was on his way uh, to, to heal, the, to raise up the girl who had died, and the woman touched him in the crowd. And Jesus said, who touched me? Remember the story? And the disciples said, Lord, everybody, there's a throng around you. He said, yeah, but there's a difference in touching me and touching me. See, there's a difference in seeing and really seeing. And so Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, now here's, we're, we're going to talk about seeing the unseen. How do you go about living this life, and what does it mean to see the unseen? In other words, how do we learn to see those things that are un unseeable? Uh, th this whole aspect of Christianity really is supernatural. If you only settle for, the, for what you see, you live a very mundane life, and you live a very insecure life. Listen, I want to tell you, if I had been looking at just what I had seen in the last several years, we would not have done a lot of things that we have done as a church. 
I mean, we, we went into a major building, huge building program as a church, and, and not only this church, but also some of our other campuses went, in, went, to, went into other building programs right in the midst of what they are telling us is the greatest recession since the Great Depression. Now, if, if I just listen to the prognosticators, how many of you know that, that it started in, in September, they said, and, and about a, two years later, they said, oh, yeah, by the way, we've been in a recession. So we all started acting like we were in a recession. Right? And then they told us a year and a half ago that we were out of recession. But we still, what's wrong? We still have the mindset of recession, and so we're still in a recession, although they told us a year and a half ago that we're out of a recession. Why? Because we are governed by what we see instead of being willing to see the unseen. So we've got to learn to see some things. That third chapter in the fifth verse says this. For God, this is Satan talking, but even Satan comes up with truth. Right? I mean, even every once in a while, the devil gets it right. And so he says to Eve, For God knows that in the day you eat, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So if we're going to see in the unseen, we've got to learn to see some things. And the first thing we've got to learn to see is we've got to learn to see good from evil. If, if you want to really be a believer who is moving in the supernatural power of God, you've got to be able to see good and evil. Now, the interesting thing to me is how many Christians can't tell the difference. I mean, we just accept it. If it, if it bears a, a Christian label, we go, oh, it must be Christian. Well, let me tell you, some things that say they're Christian aren't Christian. You need to be able to see the good and the evil. Remember in the life of Jesus one time, the Bible says this guy came to him and, and said, Lord, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, he laid out some of the commandments. And this guy looked back at him and he said, I have kept all of those commands since my youth. And Jesus looked back at him and he said, yeah, but you still lack one thing. He said, go your way, sell all that you have, and give it to the poor, and then come back and follow me. And the Bible says, and the rich young ruler went away sorrowfully. Why? Because if you go study it, what he, what he is talking about, oh, I've done this, I've done that, I've done the other, but there is greed in his heart. Do you know it's the only time in Scripture where Jesus tells somebody to before they can follow him, they've got to get rid of everything they've got? Why? Because he's got evil inside of his heart. He, is, he has a God before God, and that is his money. And so Jesus deals with that institute that's in his heart that he has erected above God, and he says to him, look, this is what you have got to do. You have got to sell everything and give it away, and then you can come and follow me. Why? Because there's evil inside of you. Now, let me help you. All of us, whether we want to admit it or not, there are, there are some things in our life that are evil. And so we have to be willing to determine, even in ourselves, what's good and what's evil. 
uh, the Apostle Paul at one point in time uh, was, was going to the pro council and he was ministering to basically the governor of the region. And there was this guy uh, who, who constantly was giving the governor direction. The governor was listening to him, but he was giving it from the wrong source. And finally, he's called a sorcerer. And finally, the Apostle Paul just got fed up with him. And the Apostle Paul looked at him and said, you're going to be blind because of the evil that's in your heart. And the guy goes around blind for days. And the Scripture says because of that, the governor of the region gets saved. Now, that's determining good from evil. So what, what I'm trying to show us this morning is this, is that Jesus Christ has called us to live supernaturally. He lives supernaturally, his disciples live supernaturally, and he has given us the authority to live in that way. So you've got to determine when you look at a situation, is this a good situation or is this an evil situation? And you have to deal with it in that manner at that time in that place. Uh, most of you know that I grew up in Africa, and, and I can remember on many occasions, uh, we lived in the jungle, we lived, uh, we had a missions compound, and then right across a little creek, uh, there was the little village that where all the people lived, and, and they believed in worshiping the devil. A lot of Christians in America do, they just don't call it that. Well, I better move on, because I already bound the Spirit. Uh, and, and so they would, they would begin the witch doctor and they would begin their, their process at night. They'd begin to use the drums and sometimes those drums, they would start beating those drums and sometimes that would go on for up to 72 hours without stopping. And I can remember even as a small child of, of being in bed and waking up and feeling the oppression of demonic spirits in my house. As a child, four or five years old, you could feel it. And then I can remember also, I can remember my father getting up, and I can still remember it to this day. He would begin to walk through the house, and he would begin to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over our house, and there would be a lifting of whatever that spiritual dynamic was that was taking place in that home. See, I, I want to tell you that you can determine, even in your family, in, in situations that are around you, whether this is something that is good or it is something that is evil, God has given us that ability and he has given us that power. The second thing that we need to see, if we're really going to see in the unseen, is found in the book of Genesis, the 21st chapter and the 19th verse. It says, Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad to drink. Now, this is when Abraham, and you remember the whole story there where he went into the handmaiden, and he had a baby, you remember the whole deal. And finally, they cast her out. And they sent her into the desert, and she's ready to die. She's ready for Ishmael to die, and she's ready to die herself. And the Bible says she lifted up her eyes, and God showed her something. Not only do we need to see the unseen in, in those dimensions that I've already talked about, but we need to see God's provision. When she sees, when she lifts her eyes and sees what she has not seen before, what she sees is a well. She sees the provision of God. I want to tell you, God's got provision for you. You've just got to see it. The Bible says that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, your provider. And I want to tell you, he's bigger than whatever it is you're facing. One day Jesus is out teaching and they come to him and they say, Jesus, send the people away. They're going to starve to death. It's, it's late and we've got to get them out of here. And Jesus said, what do you have? They said, we got a little boy's lunch. we got a few crackers and a couple of sardines. Now, I know the Bible says five loaves and two fish, but it was a kid's lunch. It wasn't some big deal. It was a kid's lunch. 
And Jesus said, it's enough. Remember the story? Jesus takes it. He blesses it, gives it to the disciples. They handed it out. There was enough for 5,000-plus people to eat, and they picked up 12 baskets full when they were done. Now, I want to tell you, that's provision. God is a provider. Uh, in the life of the Apostle Paul, when you study Scripture, you, you find that there was a time, there was a moment in, in the life of the Apostle Paul that he is on his way to Rome, and he has told them, don't leave. It's not time to leave yet on this ship. And they said, no, we got to go. And they got out there, and all the things begin to break loose. And the Word of God says that an angel appeared to the Apostle Paul at night and said, tell them if they will stay with the ship, nobody's life will be lost. I will provide for them in a escape and even though the ship wrecked and even though everything was destroyed there wasn't one person on board who wasn't provided for and wasn't taken uh, to the shore and God's provision showed up listen I don't know what you're facing but God's bigger than whatever it is you're facing but, but you got to see the unseen you've got to quit looking at five loaves and two fish You've got to quit looking at the winds and the waves that are around you. We recently had a situation in, uh, in Kenya where one of the pastors uh, was, was, had, had gone through it. He said, I've been preaching. I'd, I've been preaching about the provision of God. I've been preaching that God's a provider. And he had gone, and I, the, the story goes on something on this order, that he, was, he had get, gotten rid of his last money yet. He'd gone to a service, and, and he had given the last shillings that he had. And as, on his way back, he said, he said to the Lord, Lord, I have talked about provision, I have preached provision, but if you don't show up, I am at my wit's end, I'm done. Have you ever been there? Lord, I've, I've preached this stuff, but I haven't seen it happen in my life. Well, it just so happened that somebody in this house had given money for that pastor. No, you. <laughs> the day that he said, Lord, if you don't show up and prove yourself real, that money from the U.S. wound up in his house and provision came to his house because God is a provider. Now, now see, you, you've got to come to that place where you understand and say, Lord, I've got to see the unseen. I've got to believe for things that are bigger. So, so we, we've got to see for provision. But not only do we need to see for provision, uh, John, the fourth chapter, the 35th verse, Jesus said, Do not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white to harvest. See, not only do I have to see for provision, I have to see the harvest. Let, let me tell you, there's a harvest out here. Well, hallelujah. I mean, there are people who need to be saved. There are people who want to be saved. There are people who desire to know, know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They just don't know what they're supposed to do. The Word of God tells us that Jesus one day coming into Jerusalem, he looked down at them, and the Bible says that Jesus began to weep. And he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft I would have gathered thee as a, as a hen doth gather her brood, but you would not. In other words, Jesus is looking at them, and he's saying, I want to save you. I want to redeem you. I want to buy you, but you don't see who I am. All they could see was a carpenter. All they could see was a guy who had built some things. What they missed out on was that he was the one who spoke the worlds into existence. 
See, we've got to see the unseen. There's, a, there's an encounter in the Apostle Peter's life one time where he goes onto the rooftop at, at, in the afternoon. He's hungry, and, and God begins to visit him, and there's a series of visions that the Apostle Peter has, and, and God lets down this, this sheet, and in this sheet are all manner of animals that the Apostle Peter, as a good Jew, has never eaten. And every time Jesus, God would let it down, uh, he would speak to Peter and say, rise and eat. And, and Peter would go, oh, no, I can't, I can't do that. I'm a good Jewish boy. All right, I know that's not what King James says, but that's what he said. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good uh, a God-honoring Jew. I can't eat that. And, and finally, God spoke to him and said, uh, whatever I have cleaned, uh, don't, don't you call unclean. And what God was doing is, is that God was giving the apostle Peter a vision of the harvest. Because at that moment when it ended, there was a knock on the door. And there were Gentiles who were there waiting to take the Apostle Peter back to the household of Cornelius where he was going to preach and there was going to be an ushering in of a move of the Spirit of God into the Gentile nation. See, you, you've got you've to begin to see in the unseen. Do you know that every day you encounter people who need Jesus and you don't ever see it? All you see is their foul mouth. All you see is the smoke they blow in your face. All you see are the words that they use that they shouldn't be using. What would happen if we would begin to see the unseen? Somebody came to me a while back and said, Pastor, said I, I was praying and I had this vision of the church. And they said it was like the Lord took me high above the church. And, I, and they said from every direction I saw cars lining up to come. To this church I said praise God that means the harvest is coming I don't see it all yet I mean been great things that God has done and in, in love and truth churches but I want to tell you I believe the harvest is greater than what we see and so we've got to see for the harvest but it doesn't stop there the book of second Kings that I just read to you where the scripture says that that the servant of God his eyes were open and he saw the hills filled with the chariots of God and the angels of God were there. See, we've got to have our eyes open. If we want to see the unseen, we've got to see God's power. I, I want to tell you, God is still powerful. I believe that whatever God has ever done, he still can do. I really do. If he has ever healed the sick, guess what? He can still heal the sick. If he's ever made provision in someone's life, he can still make provision. In your life. I mean, the scripture says that Jesus, while he was here on earth, one day he, he goes to a tomb and, and he cries. He says, open the tomb. And they said, oh, Lord, he's been in there for four days. He's going to stink. He said, open the tomb. And the scripture says, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the power of God goes into a dead body and raises it to life. The Apostle John, who we have read about in Scripture time and again, the, the, the history tells us that they took him one day and they were trying to kill all the apostles. And so they took the Apostle John and they, they, they took a cauldron of oil, hot oil that was boiling, and they threw him bodily into this so that he would literally be killed. But the power of God was so great that they couldn't boil him. 
And so they finally just said, we're going to get rid of him. And they sent him to the Isle of Patmos. And yet, here's what John says in the book of Revelation. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he gets this great revelation of who Jesus Christ is and what he is going to do. Why? Because the power of God that was in him brought forth great and powerful things. Do you know that there's power in you? The Word of God tells us that He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power of the Holy Spirit that's in you. Peter and John on their way to prayer seeing the lame man said, we don't have any money, but what we have, we give you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. I want to tell you, God's given you something. I, I remember one time I was preaching in, in Wisconsin and, and uh, there, there were some people who wanted prayer. And so at the end of the service, I began to pray for people. And, and as I prayed for this man, as he began to walk away, and, I, and just out of my mouth, I, I just said, you know what? God doesn't always instantly heal. Sometimes God waits till the next day. And I thought, why did I say that? And, and the testimony from this guy who was, who was from a Lutheran church, in fact, had brought his Lutheran pastor that night to the service, uh, and, and that's a whole other story. But that, that night as he left, he, he told his friend, he said, he said, man, that's a cop-out. That guy just, you know, I didn't get healed. And, so, and, and he said he went home that night. He said he had suffered for 17 years from severe back problems. The next morning, he said, as he began to get up out of bed, he said he heard what sounded like a rifle shot. He said his back popped that loud, and he said instantly all the pain that he had suffered over 17 years left his back. Now, that wasn't because I wasn't there. I didn't do it, but the power of God came upon him and gave him the freedom that he needed in his body. I want to tell you, I believe that God is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. So let me show you real quick as we kind of bring this to a close today. How do I move into this place of seeing the unseen? First of all, is seeing always involves faith. Now let me tell you, seeing involves faith. Faith is the channel that makes God's possibilities available to us. It's, it's, it's the way God operates. How many of you believe God's able? All right, if God is able, how do I get it here? I get it here through faith. That's the channel that opens up. The 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. First, you've got to believe, and then you will see according to Scripture. See, we reverse it. We say, well, if I see it, I'll believe it. Uh-uh. The Scripture says, first you believe, and then you you see, I'll give you scripture. John eleven forty 40 says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Believe. Lord, I, I believe for healing. I believe for financial provision. I believe that my son or my daughter is going to be saved. I believe. Do I see it? No. But I believe. And as my faith moves into connection with God, there's this channel that's opened up between me and God, and then God begins to provide what we can't. Watch what the Scripture says. He says, in your weakness, he's made strong. So my faith comes out of a place of weakness because it's something that I cannot do, and I say, God, I believe in you. See, faith is the one thing in your life that connects you to the unseen realities of God and His Word. 
It's, I read the Word. Have you ever read the Word? I just thought I'd ask. I mean, have you ever read, you know, he's Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, your healer. He's Jehovah Nissi. He's your banner, and the banner over you is love. I mean, all these things we read, but then sometimes, how many of you will be honest enough to say, but sometimes I'm not seeing that in my life? Right? Why? Because our faith. See, there's a difference in faith and hope. See, hope is in the mind. Faith is in the heart. Hope is in the future. Faith is in the present. Hope is expectation. Faith is substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, a lot of us, and and I'll move quickly because some of you, I'm, I'm messing with you. See, a lot of us, we call hope faith because it's always out there. But faith is in the present. I know that my God is able. I know he can. I have faith, Lord, but help my unbelief. I mean, that's all present tense. That's not one of these days I'm hoping to see it. All right? So seeing comes through faith. Seeing also comes through prayer. The Word of God says that some things come by prayer and fasting. So there's prayer. The prayer of the righteous, the Scripture says, avails much. So I've got to come to that place. If I really want to be a person who sees supernaturally, sees things that other people aren't seeing, I've got to become a person who understands how powerful prayer is. If you don't pray on a consistent basis, the enemy loves it. Because the devil knows that if he can keep you from praying, he will keep you powerless. But if you start praying, things start moving. The glory of God begins to show up. Things begin to change. And so seeing happens through faith and seeing happens through prayer. And seeing last brings confidence. There are those things that I have seen in the Spirit that nobody else around me may understand or know, but I know what God has spoken. See, I'm talking about myself for a moment. I don't know about you, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that God has shown me some things that I have not yet seen come to pass. But I want to tell you, they're going to come to pass. You say, how do you know they're going to come to pass? Because God can't lie. And he who has begun a good work in me, he will complete it. And and so I, I don't know about everything around me. I don't know about everything about everybody else. But I know this. There are some things that God has shown me in the spirit that I know that I know that I know. They're going to come to pass. You can doubt it. You can look at your friends and say, well, I don't think God spoke that to you. But I want to tell you, if God spoke it to them, confidence comes. I mean, you you just have that assurance. You say, wait a minute. I know you don't understand, but I know what God has told me. And that's how you move into this realm of living in the unseen. Not by sight, not by what we can grab a hold of, not by what we can touch, but literally living in a realm that is unseen. 
when you move there, then you begin to see the power of God and the authority of God beginning to be established in our lives. That's what we're called to. We're called to this life of faith, a supernatural life. I want to challenge you. Don't settle for religion. Settle for power. Settle for anointing. Settle for the glory of God and the fullness of God in your life.